What's going on, guys? John Hasselbauer here from thelines.com, and we are here to talk this week about the Zurich Classic, a nice little change of pace uh, from the usual stroke play traditional standard uh, stuff that we're used to seeing on the week-to-week basis. Most people, or I shouldn't say most people, a lot of people are not so into this event. It's a little gimmicky. It's not uh, an event that you can just stick into a model and play whatever the outputs are. And if you haven't really watched this event um, or chosen not to really like lean into it in the past, then you're probably not super jazzed about it. But these are always the the weeks that I feel like you have the best edge if you really do, uh, you know, want to dig into the research and want to go the extra mile of doing what other people are not, which is looking for angles, looking for trends in what it takes to be a good team in this event, what types of teams have done well here. Is there any sort of profile that we're looking for? And like where on the odds board have these winners been? So yes, a lot of people are probably going to take this week off because it's not a standard event. I really like this event. I think it's actually pretty fun to see or interesting to see the dynamics of these people who, uh, you know, you have like an Akshay Batia and Harry Hall partnering up, for example. Like, why? How do they know each other? <laughs> How did this happen? Whose idea was this? I'm just curious about all those sorts of things. And then if you make the weekend, you get to come out to your, your walkout song. So that's always interesting. Um, this week we have Patrick Antlin and Xander Shoffley at the top of the board at the shortest numbers I've seen in a full field event since probably the Tiger Woods era. So we'll get into that. Uh, before we get any further, make sure you are subscribed to the lines.com. Uh, sorry, <laughs> make sure you are subscribed to the lines YouTube channel and you can check out all of my work on the lines.com. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at PGA touts. So make sure you are followed if you are not and just coming across this video on YouTube. Um, and I, also, before we get into the Zurich Class, I just want to look a little bit back at the RBC Heritage last week. It was a designated event, uh, which just continues to almost outshine the Masters and the Majors in terms of just like the compelling stretch down the end. We we're getting the best players in the world playing against each other in these tight fields and just compelling finishes. It seems like every single time we've had a designated event, it's been between a bunch of juggernauts who have like proven major success and, and great pedigrees here. Obviously, Matt Fitzpatrick overcame Jordan Spieth. I didn't really have exposure to either. I'm very unlikely to take a short number on a defending champion like Jordan Spieth in, a, in such a loaded field after uh, an, an okay showing at the Masters from Spieth definitely almost backdoor to, you know, getting himself in contention, but he was very outspoken about being fatigued from the long schedule and having to play back-to-back events and that masters really just knocking you out with how bad the weather was. Um, never a good idea to just take the players, uh, quotes at face value, as we've seen time and time again, uh, they tend to over exaggerate a little bit and he clearly was just fine, but obviously, uh, someone who has played the Zurich classic with Ryan Palmer before he's not come to play this week, and I, and I think that's a natural bye week for a lot of people, both this week and the Mexico Open afterwards, give all of these stars who may have been forced to play uh, a lot of weeks in a row between the Masters and the RBC Heritage and everything before that. Uh, this is kind of like a, a little breather stretch of the, of the schedule. Um, congrats to Matt Fitzpatrick. He has now taken down the uh, the place of glory for his his US AM championship at the country club he had a redemption there for 
the U.S. Open this year, and now he's done it again, going to his childhood uh, favorite vacation spot in Hilton Head, his favorite course. He said this one means means everything to him to win it. He had the Hilton Head lighthouse uh, cover bag and all of that. Um, I was surprised to see how many people bet Fitzpatrick last week. He was at about 30 to 1 odds uh, pre-tournament. I saw that number, and I just never really considered it, honestly. Uh, comparing that range to a Max Homa and a Tony Finau, those were the two guys that I was really deciding between. And, you know, I, I, he was shorter than Justin Thomas, which in hindsight, like maybe that was appropriate. Maybe Justin Thomas is just completely lost. I I can't bet him for until I see anything from that guy. Uh, he really let us down last week. And the the T to green game continues to be okay. Um, and the putting is just, just doesn't look like it has a chance right now. I'm, I'm watching him over 10 footers and he's not even hitting the cup anymore. So there is something wrong there. I don't think that's just going to flip overnight. I think that's a, a much larger project that he needs to work on. Maybe in these next few weeks when he's off before he defends his PGA Championship title, but I, I won't be there for a while. He he has a long way to go, Justin Thomas. Um, but yeah, Beth Fitzpatrick, I mean, he was battling injury, had a neck issue. His you know strokes game metrics were not looking good uh, for a while now. And you know he did have a good showing at the Masters. He finished top 10, but he did it in that sort of way that you expect from Matt Fitzpatrick, where it's just like grinding through difficult conditions and like staying a couple strokes under par, but not really like attacking the course. So he, he finished T10. He did have a good approach week at the Masters. And for some people, that was enough to go back to him with the course history. For me, I don't really regret not betting that number. Um, I bet Cam Young in a similar range to a 28. Um, all, all golfers that I just think are better talents um, right now with less question marks um, about, about their health. Uh, obviously, after a top 10 and a first place finish from Fitzpatrick, maybe he is officially past the, the health issues. So great player when he's healthy and, and wish him good health for, for the rest of the season. He will be in the Zurich Classic. Um, with his brother this week and his brother is sort of semi-professional. I believe he's playing on the DP world tour right now, not quite a PJ tour caliber player. So I think from my perspective, I will probably, um, probably be a fade on that group. I think it was kind of an emotional high for him too, especially coming off of the masters, just a lot of weeks in a row. So, you know, I, I would be shocked if, if they're in the mix this week and he has a pretty short, uh, a short number. So, We'll we'll see how how the Fitzpatrick duo plays out, but for now, I am going to uh, share the screen and get us into the task at hand, which is the Zurich Classic. Uh, for anyone new to this event, it is a team stroke play event. Uh, it's four rounds, eighty groups of two, so one hundred and sixty players total. Um, the top 33 and ties advance. So not a lot of groups are going to make it, um, to the weekend. And that's especially important when we're considering DFS lineup construction this week. Uh, it's going to be hard to get six to six. There's only 33, about 35 or so, uh, after ties, you know, less than 40 players are going to advance. So it's hard to get a six to six lineup. Um, and hopefully this research helps identify where the values are this week. There's always some surprise guys, um, 
can see Aaron Rye here. Um, my, my featured player this week alongside David Lipsky was one of the surprises last year who you could have gotten in like the low 7Ks, 100 to 1, and they ended up finishing top five. So that kind of thing does happen here. Um, it's not just the, the favorites who, who go on to win every single year. Um, so looking through the, uh, the need to know stats for this week, if we just look at the favorites, I think there is a very clear top five list here and it's a very anti-traditional week. So the, the odds tables don't look the same as they normally would. Uh, but you can see three plus three thirty for Xander and, and Cantley. They are obviously the favorites this week. They both finished top five. Last week, they're, they're the two players who look the best at, it, currently with no questions about their form right now, um, and they're on the same team, and they won this event last year. So uh, obviously worthy favorites. I was surprised to see a three. I thought probably six is what I was expecting. Um, but I guess it makes sense. It's a limited field. There's only 80 teams and at least half of those teams are helpless, like seniors, uh, John Daly and David Duvall is a team this year, right? So there's not a ton of depth in this, in this field, in this field either. Um, however, it is a birdie fest. It is an event that you're going to have to get well beyond 25 under to win. Um, they won at, I believe 28 under last year and they shot 25 under in the two, uh, best ball formats, which are on Thursday and Saturday. Um, so you do have to go low and, and for anyone new to the format, the, the first two days are four ball, I believe is what they call it. Yes. Four ball. Um, and four ball is essentially bet, best ball. So you both, you and your partner play your own ball, the whole, um, the whole hole. And, uh, whoever has a better score, you take that score. If you make a bogey and your partner makes a par, your team made a par that hole. Um, so it's a really, you're going to hear like ham and egg a lot. It's a week where like, if you have a bad hole, if your partner picks you up and has a good hole, that's perfect. If all of your birdies come on the same hole, that's bad because you're not diversifying, um, your birdies. And obviously you want to just birdie as many holes as possible. Right. But, um, there's a little bit of luck involved here of like, if, if you can pick your partner up and your best holes are on different holes than your partner's best holes, you're going to shoot a very low score. Uh, Xander and Canley opened with a 59 here last year and they shot a 60 in their second, uh, session of four ball. So, um, they can go low together. They know how to complement each other. They are Ryder cup president's cup partners. That goes a really long way here. Um, and that also contributes to why they're such prohibitive favorites here, because even if you're not the best, the most talented group, if you have a lot of familiarity with each other and you know how to pick each other up and you're not like something you'll see a lot in this format is apologizing to your partner. Uh, sorry, that was a bad shot. Sorry. I gave you that leave my bad. Um, the best teams don't bother. They, they don't bother with that. They know they're going to pick up their partner. They don't want to hear that, you know, that their partner's feeling sorry for them. They don't want to hear it. And Xander and Cantley do a great job of that. You'll never hear them apologizing to each other. Um, and that's what makes them such a good Ryder cup duo, uh, after them. And, and I was just to finish, like they are three to one. I don't think by any means we're handing this tournament to them. It's such a volatile tournament, as we said. Um, birdie fest. You need to go so low. They can play so well and not diversify their birdies on these foursome, um, or the, these four ball format, um, rounds and shoot 20 under and finish T seven. And, and that's fine. They had a great round, but they didn't win. 
Um, so I, I don't think this is a week to be like completely scared of the prohibitive favorites when you see a three to one. Uh, I would be more scared of like John Rahm versus the Mexico Open field next week if he stays in there and there's no other top players and he's three to one. If that's the situation we get next week, then I'm probably going to bet the like without John Rahm market because that that actually really scares me. Um, but anyway, so after Xander and Cantlay, it's uh, Morikawa and Homa who come with their own question marks right now. Morikawa has completely fallen off the planet with his putting and Homa ever since the Masters has not looked like himself. Um, really was not in contention whatsoever at the RBC Heritage last week. And, you know, evidently a bad bet to go Homa over, over Fitzpatrick at the same number for me last week. But, yeah, again, no regrets. Um, next, we have Sungjae and Keith Mitchell. Sungjae has always or has been partnering with um, Byung-Hun An uh, a lot. So interesting reshuffling of this pairing here. Um and I should also say for, for Morikawa and Homa, Morikawa have been partnered with Matt Wolf and then Victor Hovland. So he keeps cycling around. Homa had always been partnered with Taylor Gooch, who obviously can't uh, play in this event anymore. So them, them pairing up actually makes a lot of sense to California guys. Im and Mitchell, I think I'm out on them. Mitchell's actually had some bad results at this event. I believe he was with Brent Snedeker last year, which obviously this is a big improvement to be with Sungjae. On the merit of their talent alone, um, this this pairing makes a lot of sense to do well, but it's a short number, so not not a group that I'm going to have a lot of exposure to. Uh, then you have the Kims, Siwoo and Tom Kim. Uh, I would like to see a little bit better form from both these guys, but... This does seem to be a group that is like equipped to to handle a Pete Dye course. Siwoo was obviously one uh, at many Pete Dye courses, and Tom Kim's tends to fit these more positional courses, which this is not necessarily. This is more of a you know it's a top ten course in terms of of course yardage, so it's not a plotter's course. But plotters have done well here, um, and then you have Burns and Horschel, which is such an interesting dynamic. I've bet these guys. Each of the last two years, um, this is the worst form Billy Horschel has ever been uh, in going into this event, but we are on Bermuda. He tends to just show up on Bermuda the last time we saw him on um, Bermuda. Uh, Bermuda die was, I, I believe it was the, um, I forget if he actually played the RBC or not, but but at the D WGC ma match play, he uh, actually beat John Rahm head-to-head and advanced out of his group. So he's not completely lost. I think if you look at the stroke play results, it might look that way. But this is, of course, he can kind of play with his eyes closed. He's won it. He's won here individually. He's won here in group play. And Horschel has always shown that like, at any given moment, he can find one thing that clicks and just work with it. Um, so you know they've been top five together each of the last two years. They've been in the, they were runner-up here last year. I keep betting them, and now Sam Burns is in the best form he's ever been in. Uh, what's really interesting, and the reason why I ended up betting this group, is you can see there's so much variance on the odds board this week, and you never see a case in a, in a usual stroke play individual um, tournament where one book is exactly half the odds of the other one, and that's what we have here with BetMGM giving them um, the third best uh, odds at 11 to 1, and points bet having them all the way up at 22 to 1. So again, when you, when you have these sort of like neglected tournaments that people don't really dive into, that kind of applies to the bookmakers too. They're not as sharp on this. They don't really know how to handicap a team event necessarily because it's such a one-off. And there is usually a lot of, of value to be had. So I think there's a lot of um, just, just 
good betting value you can load up on your card this week if you just uh, do some odd shopping, which you can always do here at the lines. Um, going down through the through the tournament preview again, just to go through the, the rules of this format again. Um, for some four ball is AKA best ball. That's what we just talked about. That's where you have to go low. Um, if you shoot like four under, you're you're basically dead. So you need uh, it, the first round lead is going to be about ten under, um, and and that's just like if you make five birdies and your partner makes five birdies and they're on different holes, there you go. That's it's not that hard to shoot five under individually. So if you're spreading it across two different guys, you have a chance to go very low. Uh, but if you're only shooting like three or four under, you're going to be in big trouble. It's really hard to go low in alternate shots. So that's what we have on Friday and Sunday. Um, that is also known as foursomes. And that's where um, alternating on the even and odd holes, um, It's that's that player tees off. So if you're on uh, odd holes, you're teeing off on one, three, five, seven, nine, and so on. Um, and your partner will always tee off on the next one. And it's just alternating until you get it in the hole. So one guy drives, next guy hits it from the fairway. Next guy puts, next guy hits it in. That's how that works. So really hard to go low and alternate shot. I feel like you're you're probably a little like more conservative. You don't want to put your partner in a bad spot. That's where like team chemistry, camaraderie, familiarity, all those like subjective things kind of come into play. Uh, what else can we say about TPC Louisiana? Let's go into the, the Zurich odds page, which you can always link out to from the main uh, tournament preview article. And that is listed in the description of this video. Um, so just looking at course specs for TPC Louisiana, uh, 7,400 yards on the dot. It is uh, a par 72, so not incredibly long, but just on pure uh, yardage, it is a top 10, um, top 10 course in terms of total distance. Uh, this course is at sea level in Louisiana and usually plays very soft. I uh, not 100% on what the weather is going to be this week, but just in general, not a firm course whatsoever, not a lot of carry distance and not a lot of rollout either. So in theory, you would think this favors the Bombers. It hasn't really been that way. Um, you know, throw aside the two best players in the tournament winning this event last year. Before that, you saw like Leishman and Cam Smith, who are not known for their driving win this event. You've seen Kevin, I believe Kevin Kisner and Scott Brown may not have won, but they're always in the mix here. Um, Horschel and Piercy have won this event. Uh, Cam Smith and Jonas Blixt won this event. So none of these guys are like elite drivers, which I think is interesting on a course that you would think uh, favors it. So my takeaway from all of that is just uh, it's more about the subjective, you know, getting getting along with your partner, having some reps in with your partner, um, knowing the types of looks your partner wants to get and, and giving it to them. Um, so with that, you get a lot of randomness, obviously. Um, with, with who, how are we supposed to know who has the best familiarity, you know, things like that. Um, but we'll get into a little bit of, of event history trends. Um, other things to note, it is a Bermuda course. It is a Pete Dye course, although I would say it doesn't really emulate too much of what we, we come to expect from Pete Dye. It's definitely more of a TPC style course where you have these like risk reward stadium setups, a lot of water, um, a lot of drivable, um, short par fours, a lot of quirky, like trees in the middle of the fairways at times. So an interesting course. I, I do like this course, um, which is why I kind of like this event. Um, but but yeah, your standard yardage and, and a, a par 72 with a lot of gettable fives. Um, 
Looking at the comp courses, I, I like a lot of the TPCs as, as a comp. So TPC Twin Cities is one that really overlaps. You even look at a guy like Scott Piercy, who has randomly won this event um, alongside Billy Horschel. And uh, he was almost the runaway winner at, at the 3M Open last year before um, Tony Fino ran him down. Tony Fino and Cam Champ have both played well as partners here and um, both won the last two years at, at TPC Twin Cities and uh, Louis Oosthuizen and Charles Schwartzel were uh, runner-up at both this event and uh, the 3M Open last year, the last year that they were on the PGA Tour. So just something to call out. A lot of a synergy there between the 3M Open and and TPC Twin Cities more than any other course I've seen. Um, I also like Detroit Golf Club, just similar uh, course where bombers and plotters can both kind of get along there. Um, and then the, for the TPC courses, TPC Sawgrass for the die, um, sort of soft Bermuda elements, um, in sort of like the lowlands part of the country, um, uh, TPC Scottsdale, much, much firmer, but a lot of the same, uh, you know, suiting your eye as like the same sort of risk reward hole. Um, I believe 17, uh, yeah, I believe it's 17 here. No, I'm wrong. It's 16 here, um, the the 355-yard hole. They'll move that down over the weekend and make that drivable, and it actually serves extremely similarly to 17 at TPC Scottsdale, where if you pull your drive, you're in the water, um, and you can still pretty easily get up and down for par, but it creates this dynamic of like you're down three strokes with three to play, and you can go eagle, eagle, birdie, eagle. Uh, down the stretch, which is interesting. So for that reason, I think there's a lot of risk reward between the two courses. And then uh, TBC Craig Ranch, just for the fact that it's playing soft here, TBC Craig Ranch has gotten a lot of rain the last few years we've played there, uh, and it is pretty long. So um, I think that's a, a pretty decent comp course uh, to compare the two. And then also Austin Country Club I have in there uh, as uh, just another die course that's not traditional stroke play. So maybe there's something to draw from there. Uh, Kevin Kisner, Again, just somebody who has had success at both. Um, something's up with Kevin Kisner, though. He is not here this week, and he has looked pretty bad for a long time. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's move it on to the, the uh, players I'm betting this week. I think we'll just skip past the model in this instance because um, there's nothing to model off of. So unique to um, this week on the schedule, what I like to do in, in lieu of a model is rank every player on strokes gained total over the last 36 rounds and birdies are better gained over the last 36 rounds. That's going to tell me for birdies are better gained, who is most aggressive and apt to go low on the first and third rounds of best ball, because that's where you're going to do all of your scoring. It's, it's so paramount to be somebody who can string together a ton of birdies here because you will lose pace if you shoot three, four, five under on the first day. And it, it's so, so hard to make up ground in the alternate uh, shot rounds. Um, that's really about like maintaining position and then going low um, on your scoring rounds for the first and third. Um, and then strokes in total is just going to show me who's the most well-rounded groups because your weakest link is definitely going to be exposed in the alternate shot portion. Um, there's a third element of this, um, which I decided who I would ultimately bet on, which is just familiarity between partners. 
Um, do you, have you played in this event together? Have you had any success with that partner before? Um, and do you just like, do you know each other outside of, uh, outside of this event? Because obviously that has worked well for, um, for Xander and Cantley. It's worked well for Cam Smith and Mark Leishman, even, uh, Louie and Charles Schwartzel, just country mates who, who travel a lot together. So there, I think there's a lot to that. Um, with all of that said, um, I just kind of highlighted the guys you could see here where everybody ranks the, uh, the top 10. We'll just go through quick, uh, Shawflank, Cantlay, Morikawa, Homa, Sungjae, Mitchell. Those three are not really any surprise. Kitayama, Montgomery, a uh, little, little tight price on them this week. So I probably won't be getting there. Um, but obviously very boomer bust group there, a couple bombers who can make a ton of putts. Uh, then we have Sahith and, and Justin Suh. We have Harry Hall and Akshay, which I think is the first surprise in this sort of quote-unquote model. At six overall, we have the Canadians and Taylor and Hadwin. We have the Koreans and Kim and Kim at eight. We have Damon and uh, Danny McCarthy, which are very interesting um, in, in this group because they really just complement each other really well. And having Danny McCarthy as a partner um, is always interesting in these sort of modified events. Um, with how many putts he can hit. And then Wyndham Clark and Bo Hostler, a, a, a good stat group. I, I will, I will say that, but not exactly living up to the, the odds that I'm seeing on them. Um, so the players I bet I started with, uh, actually Burns and Horschler here at 22nd overall. That's because Horschler has been so bad statistically recently, but that is where I started my card. Um, when we talk about variance on the odds board, I saw them open as a top three favorite on MGM. Um, which I thought was possible just given their history in this event, despite how poor Billy Horschel had played recently. Um, if he, if, if they were below 20 to one, I would not have bet them. Uh, but they eventually drifted to 23 to one. I think that's fair. Again, just understanding the importance of playing well together as a team. I think that goes a really long way. And Sam Burns has looked really, really good lately after winning, um, at Austin country club. I think he hasn't looked back. Um, and, and he really just is perfectly suited for this course. He's from Louisiana. It's a home game for him. He loves this event. Um, so I like that pairing. Um, and I like getting a little bit of a discount after, you know, this time last year when they finished runner up again, I thought I was done betting them because I'd never get a fair price on them. And, uh, thanks to Billy, we can get back there at a decent number. Um, next I have Sahith and Justin Sa, who were number five in this, uh, mini model. Um, they have played together, I believe, two years ago. I'm pretty sure Sahith partnered up with um, with Bo Hostler last year, and they played okay. I just love Sahith the Gala as a partner in this format. Um, easy to forget at the QBE shootout, he actually won. Um, he won that event. Um, why am I blanking on his partner? Was it Tom Hoagie or Harris English? I'm blanking on his partner, but he won. Um, and he's just somebody who can scramble from anywhere. And I, I think that really loosens up your partner. If you're like, I'm going to go at this pin because if I short side myself, my partner can get me up and down anyway. Or, or if he gives me a good chip, I'm going to make up for it and hit that putt. Um, these guys both played really well at the collegiate level together in California. So we know, they know each other from back then. Um, and I got them at 30 to 1, which I think is a very fair price. I wouldn't put them in that top five. Um, but I would put them neck and neck with Kitayama and, um, and, uh, Montgomery as like a six, a six B, uh, as far as like teams with, with the best prospects to win this event. So, 
Um, you know, to get exposure to two of what I would say the top six teams, I feel pretty good about that. Um, after them, the next player I bet on the board was uh, the the Danish duo of Thorbjorn Olesen and Nikolai Hoygaard. Um, the stats are not really going to be here, right? These are full-time DP World Tour players, but they are lighting it up on the DP World Tour. They both won um, this year. They've played well in, or Hoygaard has. Um, Olsen hasn't really gotten as many starts on the PGA Tour, but they've looked good in their in their opportunities to play uh, against better competition and their country mates, right? That's been a good... That's been a good narrative um, when we look at the, the South Africans who've had success here and the Australians who've had success here. Technically, um, Shoffley and Cantlay are both Americans who've had success here. So I don't know. Maybe there's a, a good omen um, to them there, but they're great ball strikers and just good all-around players who were getting a little bit of a value on them at, at 46 to 1 is what I got them um, just by you know the fact that we haven't really seen them play against the same level of competition. Uh, but I think they have a great upside in this event. Then uh, next, I'm, I'm bouncing all around here because I'm going in order of uh, odds that I bet them and not where they ranked in this model. Um, but Lipsky and Rye were my next um, my next bet. And um, they're a group who finished top five here last year. They were uh, set up to be first-round leaders. And I want to say Cantlay and... Um, and Shawflay eagled 18 to scoop it away from them. Um, but these guys can both go very low. Aaron Rye is officially, after being the first-round leader last week, my new every-week first-round leader bet. Uh, that's going to be a short number this week, which stinks, but I, I have to do it now. That's tradition. So I'll be betting these guys first-round leader. Again, they're birdie makers. They both won on the DP World Tour previously. They've got three wins between them since 2018. Um, and they seem to like each other. I like when, when teams have had success together and then they run it back because that tells me they've had a little bit of unfinished business and, and this is a business trip. This is not just uh, catching up with friends. So can't say that about most of these, um, most of these players. Um, then we have Harry Hall and Akshay Batia. So I'm betting this just based on what the model's telling me. Um, I got them at 130 to 1 um, for a group that combined with strokes gain total and birdies are better gain is the sixth best group my model is telling me. Um, I also just love Akshay Batia. I'm a big fan um, of his, uh, and I love watching him play, and I root for him, um, wish him all the best. Harry Hall actually surprised me with uh, how well he's been playing. He has three top 25 finishes over his last four starts, a uh, bit of a longer hitter, wears that Bryson DeChambeau hat. Um, so I don't know how these guys know each other, but... Um, you know, this is probably the only play that I have that's not rooted purely in familiarity between um, two players. Um, and then lastly, I didn't realize I was cutting my guys off over here. Uh, 20th overall, we have Ryan Palmer and Scott Piercy. I think Ryan Palmer is going to get you know the butt of a lot of jokes this week because uh, his first four partners in this event were Jordan Spieth, John Rahm, who he won together with, then they ran it back with John Rahm, and then he had Scotty Scheffler. Um, and now he's Scott Piercy, right? So uh, the best recruiter in all of golf, the Nick Saban of, of the PGA Tour. Um, and he couldn't do much better than Scott Piercy this this year. But, um, you know, let's not let's give Scott Piercy some credit. He has won this event, too, in the team stroke play format alongside Billy Horschel. So this is, these are two guys who have won this event just playing together for the first time. Um, and you know, these are kind of both B sides of, of the winning team. So they didn't necessarily lead their team to win, but 
there's no way to hide your weakest link and win this event. You can you can have a weak link and do well, but it's really hard to win single-handedly in this event. So we got to give them some credit. They know how to get it done in this format and maybe they're both motivated to show that they didn't ride the coattails of their partners um, and they can do it on their own merit. Um, so, okay, that's going to do it. Um, for Zurich Classic Week, I, I know a lot of people don't get too excited about this week. I personally really like it. I think it's it's nice to have a little variety on the PGA Tour schedule, not just do stroke play every week. And especially when you go Masters, elevated event, you're due for some sort of hangover. So this is definitely a lean back week um, that you can still find some outright value. Um, I'll be posting my betting card tomorrow, which will have uh, a couple extra props and first round leaders as well. Um, but until then, thank you guys so much for watching. If you have any questions, definitely reach out to me on P Twitter at PGA Tout. Um, always there to answer any questions, or you can find me in the Lines Discord um, as well, which is free and linked in the description. So thanks again for watching. Best of luck with your Zurich Classic bets.